You're listening to High Vibe Mindset, where entrepreneurs Aaron Smith, a sports physician assistant, and Melissa Smith, an intuitive eating dietitian and mindset coach, dive into all the juicy details of business, relationships, health, science, and spirituality. Now let's dive in. Right, so we're here for episode one. We're so excited. We're in our home office and we thought what better than to start off our first episode with a little bit of reflection. So we're going to talk about the life changing lessons that we learned in 2020. So I'm going to kick it off and I want to hear your life lesson that you learned. What was one of the biggest things this year for you? Yeah, 2020 was such a weird year for me, for you, for for everyone. You know, we had the whole coronavirus lockdown, everything, even our, our routines and work, although I thought they were very consistent and I never thought anything like the virus would happen or lockdown would happen, uh, completely changed everything. So point number one that I learned this year for the year 2020 is to remain positive. There's so much negative in the world. Especially with this year also being an election year, friends and family, and I think everyone had different opinions on how things should be handled, what's best for the country, what's best for our family on all sides of the spectrum. It seemed like there was so much negativity this year. And at the beginning of the year, I was also, you know, feeling negative and, and having a bad outlook on this year. And so what I learned is to remain positive. Yeah, I agree. And I, I totally see that. I think that there's been a lot of high stress this year, a lot of anxiety and, you know, what we focus on, that's what's going to grow. So if we're going to focus on the negativity, of course, that's a lot of what we were handed this year, but we can really reframe that and see it as an opportunity for growth. And I think that you and I were able to do that this year. And we'll talk more about that. But as you were saying, you know, for you, it was really shifting out of that mindset of being in a negative spiral and changing that into ways that you could be more positive. So what were some of the examples of that for you? Yeah. And it's, it's kind of funny talking about positivity because I am probably one of the least positive people growing up <laughs> that I know. I always consider myself to be a realist, but that is seen as cynical and um, what's another word you would call it? Yeah, you like to refer to yourself as the Scrooge <laughs> and any type of cynical character out there, I feel like was really your spirit animal <laughs> for a number of years. Something that you just really embodied and liked almost like a badge of honor to to be more on the pessimistic side. Yeah. And and so coming into the year 2020, having that whole mindset, not necessarily negativity, although it did shift into that some, but just being cynical, being skeptical, definitely was not in my favor. So, you know, this took a big mindset shift to go from the negative, go from the cynical, go from the skeptical to having this positivity. And so it wasn't an easy thing. And I'm still working on it now. But just having that outlook on life to where you look on the bright side of things, like even in the when times are hard, there's always a ray of sunshine. You know, for us, we have each other. We're always mm -hmm. there for each other. So even in the worst of times, we, we can support each other. And many people have friends and family. Some people have pets. In every situation, you have to look for that silver lining to the cloud. 
Yeah, at least even for the future, right? Just understand that this is a storm and it's okay. So we're not anti-negativity in the sense that you absolutely can never feel a negative emotion because you're still going to feel sad and shit storms are still going to happen. You're still going to have really hard days. So it's not anything like that. Let's clarify. But basically, we don't want to make that our basis of all of our thoughts and we wake up and it's just like one self-critical or negative thought after another. And I think that's where I find myself a lot. I feel like that's where you found yourself a lot. And so it's really just learning like how can we shift into a place where we can where we can deal with our emotions, we can heal from them and we can continue to build the life that we want, a life that we're proud of and that how can we infuse more positivity during the day? So that's a lot of what we've been doing. Yeah, and it's interesting that you bring up emotions because as part of the skepticism and the way I was raised, and nothing wrong with the way I was raised. I, I love where I grew up at. I love my family. I think they did a great job. But one of the things we did was we squashed our emotions. Like emotions and feelings were not talked about much in, in my household growing up. And obviously, even now, I still feel hesitant to talk about feelings, to talk about emotions. And as you know very well, I am not near as emotional as as you or, or your immediate family is. And so even just us being together, that that clash of values that we brought to the table from how we were raised definitely makes a big difference in all this as well. Yeah, there's definitely a difference with having emotions or emotional reactivity. So I know that I was raised with a lot of emotional reactivity. And that's kind of been my default and something I've been working through. I mean, as humans, we all have emotions, we have a range of emotions, and we can either numb them out, right? Or we can get into a space where we're overreacting with our emotions. And it's just really hard where everything is triggering us. And we don't want to be on either end of those extremes. So I think that's something that has been really helpful and useful for both of us, because it is important to not numb yourself out to emotions or pretend that you don't have any. I know a lot of people feel like they don't have any because they're so used to being numb, right? And at the same time, you don't want to feel like you can hardly handle your emotions. So that brings me to my life-changing lesson, which is going to therapy. I mean, that's a great place to to learn how to deal with emotions and how to get that emotional intelligence and how to just improve your life and your relationships, of course. So we're big proponents of therapy. Of course, these are experts that are going to help you in those categories. And it definitely makes a big difference. Even if you aren't sure what's happening week to week, over time, you'll notice just a big shift, a big change in how you're feeling, how you're processing, how you're communicating. So I think that's something that's really been life changing. And that's something that I would say on my list of life changing lessons for 2020 that has been super impactful. So in regards to therapy, we actually started out going to therapy early this year before the pandemic hit. And we were going in person, which was really good. Or going to couples therapy. We found it very helpful, very enlightening because especially for me, because I, I never grew up talking about emotions. So having being forced to basically tell this person what I feel, first of all, made me think, what do I actually feel? I, I don't know. I've never thought about that, really. And so having to sit down and process my emotions, what what's actually going on? Why am I upset? Well, you know, why am I happy? Why am I sad? All these were it was basically an unknown area that I had never really explored deeply. So I found it very enlightening just to 
have that introspection into why I do the things I do, like why I find pleasure in certain things or why certain things make me sad because all this was a brand new area to me. Yeah, I love that. It's awesome because it's true. It's like, I remember that when you at first, you know, you'd be asked like, well, what are you feeling? You're like, I don't know. And in my mind, I'm like, how can he not know? Like, he just doesn't want to say, but it's true. You know, sometimes depending on your attachment style or something and different things that can happen. And so it was a learning experience for me to be like, oh, you know, people are really out here just thinking differently, processing differently. And I have to be aware of that. And I have to learn that. Yeah, it's so funny. You just brought back a memory. So for all those of you who do not know me, I would also classify myself as an introvert. So I'm like the the most, I'm the person to that read. is- To <laughs> read. Well, to read. I, I'm the person that's the hardest to get to know very well. But mm-hmm. usually once I make those relationships with people, I'm a very loyal friend. Mm-hmm. But anyway, one one night I came home and I, I was really, you know, trying to make a big decision. Uh, I think it was in regards to work or something. And I was like, you know, I really don't know what I want. And so I I grabbed one of Melissa's bath bombs, which I never do. <laughs> and I went and I had a bubble bath. Yes. And uh, I just stayed in there for about two hours. In fact, Melissa came and checked on me. She was like, are, are you alive? Are you OK? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I just need time to to just be by myself in the dark and think and like look and reflect and introspect and see, you know, what am I thinking? What am I feeling? What do I want to do going forward? Because once I finally get to that point to where, okay, this is what I want to do. I'm in 100%. It's so important to take that time for yourself and to take the pause and reflect. I think this year, some people are calling it, you know, the great pause and I think it's been such a blessing among all the horrors. I don't want to say it's just a blessing. You know, we know all the negative sides and how damaging it's been for a lot of families and everything. But for a lot of people, there's been a lot of time to actually reflect and pause. And it was great to see you do that because I think we can just get so caught up in everyday life and just go, go, go. And we don't even, you know, we're basically reacting. We're not actually reflecting and thinking about our choices and thinking about how things are making us feel. So it's super important to do that. And then quickly with on the theme of therapy, I just have to shout out Psychology in Seattle podcast. It's someone that my friend um, introduced me to, and he's such a great therapist, provides educational content, podcasts and YouTube videos and everything. And he's really big on attachment theory. And I think that is something that really, truly helped us understand ourselves better and understand each other better. So that was another cool lesson this year. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. What's his name? Uh, Dr. Kirk Honda. Yeah, Dr. Kirk. Uh, if you ever listen to this, I'm a big fan. Yes. Um, so, you know, being in the medical field myself, I learned early on that I like to leave problems to the experts. Mm-hmm. So for example, I'm, I'm in orthopedics. Like I do, I used to do sports medicine. I do joint replacement now. And I feel super comfortable seeing people with knee pain, hip pain, things like that, diagnosing it, treating it. Uh, in fact, when I first started out in medicine, I was actually afraid of the knee. I was like, the knee's so complicated. It has so many ligaments, so many structures in it, like so many different parts that could cause pain in people. And at first I was really nervous every time I would see uh, a knee patient. And now like that's my favorite type of patient because I've gained so much experience and knowledge in that area that it's super easy and it's fun for me to be able to help people. 
And Dr. Kirk is definitely an expert in this field. Yeah. Whenever I hear him speak, I, I always try to stop and listen because it's usually he's usually talking on a perspective of something I've never thought about before. He's introduced us to a lot of a lot of things in the psychology world, in the emotional world, especially with like the attachment theories that he's gone over. Like I had, I had maybe heard it mentioned once or twice, but not much. And, and the detail that he goes into on that greatly helped me out a lot in that area and understand why I do some of the things I do. Definitely. Yeah. So that's been super awesome. So we have been learning a lot in that. And then my final point with this would be, don't be afraid to switch counselors, try different things, because I think I was not vibing as much with our first marriage counselor and maybe the dynamic. But then when I switched to BetterHelp and I had my own individual counselor, I don't know, I think it was a lot easier for me to be able to communicate what was going on and then be able to reflect that back to Aaron rather than together in a session. So you just have to find what works for you. I mean, we didn't give up. We tried different things and different therapy styles. And I love either one. But for me, I felt individual therapy was really helpful. I just want to say that too, when you're working with experts, there's so many experts out there, always go to the expert and then you want to have a good feeling with whoever you're working with. So if something feels off, just go find a different expert. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I guess so. Um, no, I, I understand what you're saying. Having that connection and being comfortable around whoever it is you're working with to improve yourself is a very important part that the patient provider relationship. If you don't feel comfortable there, there are other specialists out there in that area who can definitely hopefully connect with you, listen to you and create that personal relationship to where, where they can, they want to see you succeed and they can help you achieve that. So no, I, I do agree with that. Switching modes. The second thing I really learned uh, or that became a much bigger emphasis in, in my life in 2020 was the need for direction. And so what I mean by this is at the beginning of the quarantine, I had so much free time on my hands. I didn't know what to do. A lot of times I would come home from work when while we were still working and I would just sit around and I'm like, what do I do? Like, I don't really want to do chores. I don't really have anything else to do. We can't really go outside. We can't hang out with friends. For a little while, I was just wandering around aimlessly. And so in 2020, that I've already known this before. So I had friends in the past who, who mentioned in passing, you know, maybe they want to go back to school to become this certain thing. I was like, man, you should do it like that. That'd be so good for you. And then, you know, after that, I'd usually hear the excuses coming. Well, you know, it's going to be expensive. I don't want to take out any more loans. I don't want to go into debt. I don't want to have to move because the school's in a different town, things like that. And I was like, you know, you really need to find something that you want to do that you're passionate about and follow it and chase after it. My grandpa, he's much older, of course, and he's retired. And he mentioned to me one day, he said, I have a lot of friends. They go home, they sit down and they go down. And he was explaining to me, he's like the importance of having something to do. It could be anything from a hobby to, to just, you know, something you enjoy, something you wake up to every day that you're like, man, I really want to do this. Like I have an end goal or a direction. It's very important. And that's become even more clear to me in 2020. Yeah, definitely. It's so important to have goals and to figure out the direction where your life is headed, where you want it to go. Your life is always headed in a direction and it might be the complete opposite direction of what you want. So if you're aware of that, 
you have the ability to change that direction, but you have to have that continuous awareness and you have to be building those small habits that are going to get you to where you want to be. All right. Awesome. So one of my biggest things this year was developing a morning routine and that helped me out so much. Who knew like how amazing a morning routine is? I'm joking. Like everyone knows everyone talks about it all the time. I feel like I've heard it 20,000 times how important it is to have a morning routine, but I finally did it. It's not perfect. I don't do it every single day, but even if I get a late start, I do actually have that routine. I basically, it's like a me time. You know, it's so important. I like to start my day with what is going to fill my cup, what is going to put me in the right mindset. So my morning routine has evolved, but it has the same elements. I always need to be moving my body. So right now it's going on a long walk, 10,000 steps. I think it's like four, four miles or whatever. And listening to a good podcast, something that's going to get my mindset right. I love Law of Attraction Manifestation or Business Podcast or the Psychology Podcast, anything like that. And... The other thing is to also be journaling or I have a lot of different modalities I like to do and I'm going to get into those as well and dive a little deeper. Those are my other lessons, all things that I've started in 2020. But yeah, I will do some type of journaling or meditation or something like that. Along with routines, you know, routines can develop into habits. And I think habits are the the core of of change, meaning if if you have a long term goal, you're not going to reach it on day one. You're going to, have to make small steps every single day. And after a time, then you will start hitting those big goals that you achieve for yourself. And I think having that morning routine and, and creating these habits, especially when you identify something in your life that you one, you either want to change or something that you want, like a big goal that you want. I think having that morning routine or any routine in general, it can be a night routine. Maybe you're a night owl and you don't like waking up early in the morning. I don't like waking up early in the morning. And so, you know, it's, it's for me, it's it's always been hard to have that consistent morning routine that turns into that daily habit. But if you are able to do that and implement it and stick with it, it can lead to huge changes in your life. Are you looking to elevate your client experience to the next level? Whether you're in the wellness, photography, or mental health worlds, imagine the impact of offering your client a truly unique and memorable gift that supports them on a personal level. Introducing the Custom Affirmation Card Decks by Soleya. Our custom affirmation decks are designed to empower and inspire your clients, leaving a lasting impression that strengthens your professional relationship. So picture this. Your own branded affirmation cards beautifully crafted with imagery that reflects your brand's essence. These card decks serve as more than just a gift. They become a daily reminder of your commitment to your client's well-being and success. Whether you're a life coach, yoga instructor, therapist, or photographer, your custom card deck supports your client's personal growth even when they're not in a session with you. So why settle for generic gifts like candles or pens? when you can create something truly transformational and beautiful. With Soleil's custom affirmation cards, you can tailor every aspect to align with your brand identity and the values that you stand for. And this process is easy for you. We do all the heavy lifting from design to ordering. Simply choose your affirmations, select the imagery, and add your logo and branding elements. 
We'll take care of the rest, delivering a high-quality, personalized product. Join the ranks of leading wellness, photography, and mental health professionals who are elevating their client experience with custom affirmation card decks from Soleya. Visit our website today at soleya.co slash custom to learn more and start creating your own unforgettable client gifts. That's soleya.co slash custom. And I'll spell it out for you. S-O-U-L-E-A dot C-O forward slash C-U-S-T-O-M. Together, let's inspire positivity and empower transformation one affirmation at a time. Definitely. It's so important to figure out those habits that are going to move the needle for whatever you want to improve in your life, right? I wanted to improve our communication, our relationships. So a habit of going to therapy and everything and working on communication is obviously going to move that needle. And in my business, I had a lot of mindset blocks and imposter syndrome and different issues going on that I had to work through. So I developed a routine around that on how to get my mindset really strong. And that's really what our podcast is about, too. We want to help teach these lessons. You know, everything that we're learning, we just want to share with you guys. We're not experts in any of this stuff. You know, I'm a dietitian. He's a physician assistant. Basically, the high vibe mindset is all about how we can improve in these different areas. So that's why we're talking about business. We're talking about relationship. We're talking about health. We're talking about everything. And of course, this isn't coming from a place of medical advice or expert advice. It's basically like, this is what's worked for us and take what resonates with you and leave what doesn't. I feel like this is where we put our disclaimer at. Like all this is our own opinion and views and does not express no, any diagnosis, treatment or anything you like that. You can just throw it in. Yeah, you, you can just throw it in there. Uh, no, it's funny because we both work in the in the health field. So we're always, you know, hearing people's problems and, and trying to figure out the solution to them. But but you're right. Um, if you're listening to this, you know, every person's situation is different. Obviously, your your needs and, and problems and desires, goals, everything is unique to you. Not another person out there is like you. So everything is individualized. So yes, for us, this is very prevalent and important in our life. And we hope that you find this helpful and uplifting and enlightening for you as well. Yeah, we just want to provide value. So um, interesting that we are Talking about this and bringing this up, uh, talking about, you know, what works, what may work for you or may not work for you, because that's actually a lesson that I learned um, pretty well this year, too, is to really trust my intuition and figure out what works for me. And interestingly enough, we all have that ability. We all have gut instincts. We all have intuition. We all have our own unique desires, our own unique talents and skills that we have developed or that we want to develop, right? Why would we go into something that we hate? We're going to end up burning out. So that was a big lesson for me is to listen to my intuition, to stay aligned. If anything, 2020, my theme for this year has been alignment. So I initially hired one business coach where the strategy and everything was really rigid. It was like, you have to follow this framework. You should be working with this type of client. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. And 
I went from, I had just started my marketing, my Instagram, my niche, everything this at the beginning of this year. And I was having some good growth. And then as soon as I started working with this coach, everything literally stalled. It was insane. Yeah. Unfortunately, I I watched you go through this process and it was kind of sad because when you started this program, you had so much positivity. Like you were ready, you were excited. Uh, You know, we were paying, you know, a fairly significant amount of money to have this professional come in and they were going to supercharge your business, supercharge everything. And we were going to be successful. And the exact opposite happened that I think they pushed you into areas that you didn't really want to go into. And and for them, they were just trying to, to help you out. But I think they weren't passionate about the same things you were passionate about. And you ended up chasing some areas of your business that uh, after a few months, you're like, one, I'm not, I don't enjoy this. Two, because I don't enjoy this, people are, aren't getting that positivity. And I'm using positivity a lot. Positive. You've been oh. saying negative a lot too in the beginning. I, sh- <laughs> we're trying to stay positive here. But I, I feel like your, your clientele could also feel the vibes from that. Yeah, you can definitely tell the energy. You can tell when something's off, right? So energy is so important. We can all feel each other's energies. So that was something I had to work to get myself back into alignment. And one red flag is if you have a coach or someone who instead of listening and asking a lot of questions, they're going to just tell you whatever their formula is. Whatever, because they're teaching you what worked for them, that's not going to always work for you. So it's so important to really find out what works for you. Of course, if you're working one-on-one with a coach or an expert or something, there should be a lot of reflective listening and meeting you where you're at and figuring out what do you actually want? What are your goals? Who do you want to work with? I think part of the problem was that you were in a group setting. So the coach uh, or, or this professional like they only had so much time to spend with each person. So uh, I feel like instead of having that one-on-one time that would have really benefited you, someone who really invested their time into you uh, and making that plan, it was like, oh, next. And you got 30 seconds. Go ahead and say your spiel. Yeah. Okay, here's what I recommend. You should do this. Okay, next. I, I, th- I don't think it was very specialized for, for your instance. I think you got a, a broad generalization of what you should do and good luck. Yeah, I've learned I really prefer one-on-one coaching versus a group coaching, but no tea, no shade. I mean, I'm with an amazing coach now who truly understands this concept of really getting to the root of what people are struggling with and then helping them, guiding them through that and helping them figure out what's going to work for them. I've worked with her one-on-one and now I'm in her new mastermind, which is also group coaching. And we had our first group coaching call today completely different experience. I mean, I was able to, I felt comfortable. First of all, she didn't give us time limits. She wasn't like on her timer, like, okay, you guys have five minutes each. It was like, you know, all right, whoever wants to ask a question and everyone asked their questions and I felt comfortable to ask my question. I got it answered in a great way. And, you know, we ended the call on time. Like it just all flowed naturally. I think that's what happens when things are aligned, when things are really forced. It just like goes off the rails. It just doesn't work. So that was a big lesson for me is 
Um, and it kind of goes hand in hand with your point about the importance of having a big goal, but also finding your direction. All of this is about having self-awareness and truly being able to tap into your intuition. So I feel like we can sense when when a opportunity is going to be right for us or not. Right. We'll get that at super excitement and like, yes, because we can get opportunities all the time for different things, right? Collaborations, whatever, especially, especially if you're a business owner and you will get that initial gut reaction, like, yeah, that sounds amazing. I'm so excited or "Mm, I don't know about it. Maybe it would be good for my business. Oh, maybe I should do it. I don't know. Why would you do something that you're not excited about? Right. The more that you can say yes to the things that light you up and that are a hell yes, that's what's actually going to push you further and get you in front of the right people and get you to the place that you want to be. So that's what I've been doing this year. Well, this last half of the year really is only focusing on the things that are a hell yeah and listening to my intuition. And now the growth is back on track and I am attracting my ideal clients and I am like loving my business and my life again. So now that we've discussed, you know, creating your goal, deciding on what you want to do and sticking with it, (laughs) 2020 taught me the next step in the, in this progression. And that's to remain flexible, uh, to be adaptable. So for us in the health community, a lot of us uh, actually switched to telehealth this year because in-person visits, well, now they're, they're a big risk, both to us, to our families, to our patients. Maybe it was the Spanish flu uh, back in the early 1900s. But w- what they found out afterwards was that the medical personnel were actually the ones spreading the, the disease the greatest because they would get infected. And then, you know, you would see all these other people. Well, now you just spread it to, you know, if you see 50 people in a day, you just spread it to 50 other people or possibly. And so uh, for us in the medical community, too, we had to take great measures so that we weren't a vector to spread this new virus. So a lot of us went to telehealth medicine instead of in-person visits. We were also had to cancel our elective surgeries. So so our total knee and our total hip replacements, we had to put them off for months because we're like, these aren't urgent. They're not emergencies. Yes, you have pain, but we, we can't take the risk right now. And so our whole business model completely changed. There was a lot of people working from home, like I said, doing the telehealth visits, doing, you know, uh, telephone consults and things like that. And so my, the next thing I learned from 2020 is although you have a goal, keep chasing that goal. But if something else shows up or there's a different thing that's really working, you have to pivot and be adaptable and change it and go after what is working. Yeah. I think that happens. It's important to balance. Like you still want to you still want to design your life. I really believe in, you know, living a life by design and going after the things that I want, like I said, that are a hell yes, but also being able to let go of things when they've run their course or if they're not working, right? Not having to force things. I mean, you can keep doing it if you want, but it's so important to be flexible, be adaptable, like you say, to be able to pivot. I have a million business ventures that I'd love to do and ones that I've tried and I pivot my offers too. So like you said, sometimes if we're in a pandemic, you know, offers are going to look different. Things, situations are going to change. And instead of letting that wreck everything and really living by fear, just embrace that unknown and take it a step at a 
at a time because no matter what the situation is, we all just have to take things one small step at a time regardless. Yeah, I think it's really funny because when you actually look into, you know, several people who are successful, not everyone's this way, but a lot of successful people that you look up to as they start talking about where they got started and they're like, oh, this was actually my sixth idea or my sixth business. I had five fail before this. I went bankrupt before this. And this idea was the one that got them to where they are. And it's like instead of letting that failure and sticking with something that wasn't working, they switched and kept going. In fact, one of the one of the the people I watch on YouTube a lot, he, he you know, he recently reached the, the one million subscriber mark. And he was like, this was number six. Uh, he was like, we had this channel. We had two other channels. You know, they had some good views. I learned a lot from them. But this channel that you're watching on right now was my sixth channel. And it's the one that started taking off. And so now he, he has a whole team that helps him now. The other channels are still out there, but he doesn't do anything with them. It's important to remember to stay adaptable and, and follow uh, what is working. Don't be afraid of failure because it's inevitable. Every single person is going to go through multiple failures. And even if your business is successful, it doesn't mean that every single day is going to be successful. You're still going to have challenges. You're still going to have people asking for refunds or things falling through the cracks or just an absolute need to pivot. And sometimes businesses don't last forever. So it's okay. You can always pick back up. The most important thing is who you are as a person, your mindset and your ability to adapt and change and continue to design the life that you want, no matter how many different businesses or whatever that you're doing, how, how many different projects that change and come your way. And this doesn't just apply to business. So a few years ago, I don't know if this is still going on or not. I guess we're going to find out pretty soon. When when I was growing up, uh, no, I sound really old now, but when I was growing up, you know, I played a lot of sports. At the end of the season, we would always get a trophy for the first and second place teams. When I was really young, everyone got a trophy, uh, you know, when we're playing t-ball and stuff like that, because we wanted we wanted, well, I guess what they wanted. I, I was the kid at that point receiving it and I was happy to receive it. So as I got older and sports became more competitive and it wasn't just a, a for fun thing, which it still was, but it was more of a competition. Who can do the best? Uh, they stopped giving out those reward trophies. So I know a few years ago, they started handing out just these participation trophies to everyone. And I think that was a, a, a bad mistake to make because I think it's important to experience failure. You don't grow if you don't fail. So, so if we're teaching kids, you know, oh, it's okay. You know, you did great, uh, which they did is encouragement is a good thing. But when you have that failure, you know that I need to go practice more. I need to get better. You don't stay where you're at. You, you fail, you get up and you keep going. That adversity, that challenge, I think is a very important thing. So this doesn't just apply in business. This applies in all areas of life, having that failure and not being afraid of it. Like, you know, when you start something new, guess what? You're going to fail. Sometimes you're going to fail a lot. And that's not the point. That's okay. Now, if you stay at that situ- in that same spot and you don't learn from your mistakes, you don't get better, then that's where the problem comes in. But failing itself, we should not be afraid of it. In fact, it's one of the things you actually should look forward to. You're like, I'm going to fail. I want to fail because then I can start learning from my mistakes and then I can get better. Yeah. So your point with the participation trophies is that could create a scenario where kids, you know, small kids, they get a participation trophy. 
one game and then that sets that expectation. You're basically setting the tone of whatever work I do, I'm entitled to reap the reward. Yeah. So, so I mean, instead of, you know, the, the best person winning or whatever, it's like, oh, you participated. So here's a trophy. And it's yeah. like, that's not how life works. And to, to set kids up or anyone up, now it doesn't have to be just kids for be like, okay, you tried. Good job. No, you tried. Yes. Congrats on you. That's great. Like, you know, you need to keep trying. But if you didn't meet the expectation, you didn't meet the bar. It's okay to fail. And, and just yeah. I, I, that's why I, did, I wasn't a fan of, of the participation trophies, because it was basically we're going to take failure away, like keep yeah. playing. But there's no need to get better. It's okay. It's like getting the reward regardless. So like in business, your reward for your hard work and everything that you're doing is monetary. It's like an income reward. And if you're not making the income you want, then you're brainstorming. You're figuring out like you feel like, okay, what do I need to change? How can I have provide better service, more value, whatever. And with the participation trophy, that's element is missing. It's like you get the reward regardless. And and I think, you know, it's important no matter what's happening, if you're getting a participation trophy or not, the most important thing is the education on the mindset, having the right mindset. And that's something that for kids that you can teach them. And that's something that for yourself now you can learn. You can learn the mindset of being okay with failure and resilience and being able to take failures and learn from them, not let them hold you back and stop you. So I agree. I mean, I think another super important thing, though, is I don't like either extreme. I don't like if you're if you give the participation trophies right for winning, like everyone's a winner. I mean, I still think there could be winners and losers and everything. But on the other hand, if we're not giving encouragement for well, yeah, and that's why I mentioned encouragement yeah. earlier. I was yeah. like, no, no, to be that support for someone, you know, they're struggling or, or they didn't get what they wanted. I, I just think the whole participation trophy, yeah, in some cases, uh, yeah, sure, it's okay. But in a lot of cases, especially with kids, you know, we have a kid of our own now. So that's why I was saying, I don't know what's going to happen. We're going to mm-hmm. find out in the next, you know, few years as he as he starts playing sports, if if this is still a thing or not. Um, I'm sure some of you can tell us right now if it is or, or not in your area, but it's taken away the failure, yeah. I think, is is a, a grave injustice to our kids, because then what's going to happen at some point in their life or at some point in your life? It doesn't just have to be kids. This can be anyone. You're going to fail if you've never experienced that before. You don't know how to take it. You know, I've seen a, I've seen some people. Um, they fail. And they're like, well, I guess I'm just not good enough for this. Maybe I should do something else. And they give up. And that is, in, in my opinion, that is the wrong attitude to have. We're watching a video the other day. And in the background, this guy had written on his chalkboard. He had do, fail, learn. Learning and growing cannot take place without failure. Well, yeah, it's a mindset thing. So, I mean, most people don't have that mindset. You can learn it at any age. So it's so important to pass it on to your kids now. But it's definitely a mindset of embracing failure because really the culture that we have, the the mindset, our default is to be fearful, to have shame around failure, basically. You know, we point out winners and losers, but the losers will feel an immense amount of shame instead of 
being inspired or thinking, okay, like that's okay. I failed. I'm going to keep going and trying and do better and improve. But I think the big mindset issue that a lot of people face is when they do face failure, they make it mean something about their worth and their self-worth, right? I think a lot of people struggle with the idea of failure because they tie their self-worth to whether they win or lose. So if they are really passionate about something and they fail at it, they make it mean something about them, about their worth as a person. And then they'll call themselves like, well, I'm too dumb. I'm too lazy. I'm not good enough. You know, the winners, those people, they have better, they have more self-worth. They have, you know, they're better at this or better at that. And we will just beat ourselves up and we'll feel so low and it will sink our self-esteem and then we won't want to try anymore. So that's a mindset issue. That's something that we have to detach our self-worth from failure and just realize that failure is natural. It's going to happen. It's inevitable. People, we're always going to like suck when we first start at something. I mean, a few small percentage of people will be like unicorns and just be great in the beginning, but that's not the norm and that's okay. So don't make it mean something about yourself and your self-worth if you fail. So embracing the failure. Yeah, I would actually take it a step further. Uh, instead of just accepting the failure, I would actually look forward to it, like try to fail. I see so many people, they're afraid of failure. They never even begin. And that stops their life from, from one, having a life they enjoy because they were afraid to go back to school. They were afraid. I've seen this one before. So I was pre-med when I was an undergrad. They were afraid to apply to medical school because they were afraid of rejection. Yeah. And so what did they do? They didn't apply. Do you think they got into med school? Well, of course not. They didn't apply. Could they have? Very likely they could have. They were smart people. They had ambition, but they were afraid of failure. So yeah, I, I would take it a step further. Say failure is not only a good thing. I know because because we're taught, you know, don't fail, do your best. And, and well, yeah, it doesn't feel good when you fail. Well, of course, <laughs> and I, I want to make that distinction. Is I I'm not saying that oh it's it's going to feel great, and, uh, and definitely we don't want to fail forever. We want to learn from our experiences and keep growing. But you cannot do that without failing. So I I really like the mindset shift. Uh, and I'm, I'm trying to, you know, do this myself is to actually look forward to failure. Yeah. It means you're growing, means you're learning, you're trying new things. Uh, for those of you who've ever learned or thought about trying to play an instrument. Oh, my gosh, it's so hard and it's mm -hmm. hard to learn. You know, I spent I taught myself guitar when I was younger. I spent hours and weeks just trying to learn one single song when I first started out. And it was horrible and horrible and horrible. And after a while, I got better and better. And then one day I'm playing for my friends and I just started playing this song and everyone's like, oh my gosh, he can play that song. And then everyone else joined in. They all grabbed their instruments and stuff. You, a lot of times you see the benefit of people who've spent hours and hours yeah. practicing. You don't see all the time that they spent behind the scenes, all the time that led them up to that point to where they're at now. You see the polished, finished product. Guess what? They failed a lot before they got there. And you pursued and you kept going, even though you were trying to learn one single song. A lot of us are in the all or nothing thinking or the black and white thinking where 
basically it's a belief, right? But if you're working at something for a while and you still don't feel like an expert, you still don't feel good enough or you feel like you're not where you want to be, then you'll give up because a lot of people have that all or nothing. Like I need to be really good at this. Otherwise, what's the point? And they'll do comparison. If I'm not like that person, then why bother trying? And it's like, well, you should bother trying if you like it. <laughs> yeah, well, I, th- I think that's one of those things where, where, where um, one of the guys I listen to, he says, you know, don't compare your beginning to someone else's middle. Yeah. You're obviously going to be deficient in a lot of ways when you're comparing you just starting out to someone's final finished polished product that they've been working on for years. Exactly. We all need that reminder because there's a bunch of perfectionists out there and there's a lot of people out there with that all or nothing mindset, even if you don't realize it. If you find yourself, you know, if you're like, man, but I'm still not good and I'm still not that good. So why I don't feel like trying anymore. It's when you want to quit. That is that attitude. So you can definitely learn more about that and uncover those blocks with the all or nothing mindset, the black and white mindset, perfectionism. Those are all things that we could do all separate podcasts on and talk more in depth about. And then the last note with failure is I did say like, oh, man, but it hurts to fail. And it does at first, especially if you're not used to it. If you're in that other mindset of like, oh, my gosh, failure is the worst thing that could ever happen to me. And I have so much shame around it. If you can change your mindset, like Aaron said, and learn how to start embracing and even looking forward to failure, you totally can soften the blows of that. And even get to a place where it's neutral and you don't feel anything when you fail. You know, you just don't feel good or bad. You just feel like, okay, just another thing. Who cares? Or get on the other end where you're like, great, I'm learning something. And I really teeter between the neutrality of it or, you know, the positivity, like quickly bounce back and reframe like, okay, I'm still another step forward. I'm learning something and this is going to be valuable. This is teaching me something and see it as that lesson. Okay, so we went through so many life changing lessons in 2020. I only have two more over here. And one of them is the law of attraction slash manifestation that I have to talk about. This is something I learned about a few years ago, something I naturally did as a kid without knowing and then saw the secret on Netflix. And while I was watching it, I was so into it, but then it just kind of you know, disappeared from my memory. <laughs> yeah. So I've heard you talk about the secret before, but I, I've never watched it or or I think it's a book, right? It was a book. Yeah. And it became a movie too on Netflix. Okay. So, so what kind of tell us about that? Cause I, I, I don't, I've never seen it myself. Yeah. So basically the secret is about the law of attraction. So There's universal laws that we have, right? And we have gravity. We have all these different universal laws that are just facts, laws about life. And the law of attraction states that like energy attracts like energy. And so the idea is that we are going to attract more of the type of energy that we're putting out, the type of things that we're focusing on we're always attracting more of that type of energy back to ourselves. So this is something I also like to frame and teach um, with my intuitive eating clients. What you focus on, wherever you put your attention, that's what's going to grow and how your thoughts. We have thousands of thoughts each day. So if we're letting the thoughts of negative self-talk and 
um, guilt and shame around food, if those type of thoughts are what are the majority of our thoughts during the day, that's going to turn into our belief system. And then that's going to turn into the type of actions that we take. And those actions are going to yield negative results that we don't want, right? So if we're having issues with something, we got to go back to the source, which is our thoughts, our mindset. So we can really improve the law of attraction. What are we attracting? Are we attracting good things into our life or crappy things? You know, good situations, bad situations, good people, bad people. So it really goes back to really having that self-awareness with our thoughts and beginning to change that, beginning to change those belief systems. The law of attraction happens regardless of our awareness or not. Um, but that's something that we can work on and improve, right? So if we work on our mindset, if we work on our, if we go to a higher vibration, then we can be um, attracting better things into our life. Yeah, I say this all the time. Um, you know, if I walk into a, a room and someone's got their, their arms crossed and, and they got a blank stare on their face or whatever. I'm going to treat that person much differently than if I walk into a room and someone's smiling, says hi and greets you nicely and warmly. I already my first interaction, my first thought, the, the my tone, everything changes based on that. And what's different? The only thing that's different between those two scenarios is the their energy. Yeah, their energy, the persona that they're putting off. Like some people might call it aura, but that definitely even if you don't realize it. You are affecting how other people act around you and you can be positive and, and attract over time. If you try to be more positive, more, you know, uplifting, what's the word? High vibe. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> then a lot of times you will over time see people reacting differently to you and vice versa is also true. If you go around thinking, being, being the pessimist, being the skeptic, uh, pessimist, that's the word I was looking for mm-hmm. earlier, then people will treat you differently. Yeah, those emotions, but also so emotions can play a role in it, but we can't always be in a good mood and have a perfect day. But the cool thing, too, about law of attraction is really our belief system and how we view ourselves and conduct ourselves is so important, how we carry ourselves, our energy. So even if we're having a rough day, you know, sometimes that won't really translate horribly. But really, the core thing is where is our self-worth at? Where is our confidence? Where is our belief? Where is our mind at? What do we believe about what we can achieve in life and how we can design our life? If we have a lot of limiting beliefs and we're always blocking ourselves and we're always saying, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't have this, I can't have that, then that's what we're attracting. Just all the things that we don't want or all the things, basically think about the type of words that you're using. If you're always saying, oh my gosh, I'm so exhausted. I'm so unhealthy. I'm so poor. I'm so this. I'm so that. You be- you're you forming those beliefs and that's exactly what you're attracting. You're attracting more of that. If you start to change your language and you start to say, I'm beautiful, I'm confident, I'm capable, I'm successful. And you repeat that over and over, you drown out those negative thoughts, then your energy starts to change. You're going to believe it because our minds can are just suggestible to words and thoughts like that. Like it's crazy. That's why. So with the law of attraction and a lot of these teachers of law of attraction and manifestation, they talk about the placebo effect a lot because they talk about how powerful it is, 
how there's so much research showing how people can be told like, you know, take this pill and this is what's going to help you with whatever your high blood pressure or this or that. Right. And you have the one group that's getting the actual medication and then you have the control group that's getting the placebo and they both could have similar results. And the placebo group, they're still getting the results of the group that's actually getting the medication because they believed that they were. They just believed that, oh, this is what's going to happen. You know, I'm on this trial and this is how the medication works. Therefore, they rested assured they believed and bam, those are the results they got. Yeah, the power of the mind and, and, and what you believe there your thoughts about things can definitely affect even small things like that. It can attract new clients, you know, in business. You know, earlier we we're talking about how when you were pushed into a niche that that didn't fit your style, didn't fit your passion, mm-hmm. like you stopped getting clients for a little bit. Yeah. And so I, I think it was part of this, like the whole law of attraction to where you weren't completely into it. I think other people felt that. Yeah, it was the way I was thinking about the clients, too, because it's an awesome niche. Other people who are in that niche are successful because they're excited by it. And they're thinking like, I want to work with those clients and whatever. I had a mindset block of like, "Mm, I don't even, you know, subconsciously, I don't know if I I don't even really want to work with this client. I'd kind of rather work with this other client, which is what I mentioned from the beginning, you know. And so energetically, I'm saying, no, I don't really want to work with this client. So even though on the outside, if I'm this type of client, this type of client. Yeah. So on the outside, even if I'm making posts about that inside and energetically, I have resistance. And if you have resistance, then you're not going to be able to attract that. As soon as I was able to switch my niche and work with the exact type of client, you know, talk about it and talk about the client I want to work with, then I started attracting that client because I w- it wasn't just words. Energetically, it matched. And that's what I wanted as well. So it's so interesting. I really think we should definitely have um, experts on here and go more in depth with these different ideas with law of attraction and manifestation. Awesome. So those were our life-changing lessons of 2020. If you loved this episode, subscribe and stay notified for new episodes every Tuesday. Leave us a review with what you liked or what you want more of. And don't forget, stay high vibe. Do you know these three things are sabotaging your ability to live your high vibe life? First is living in disconnection which basically means walking around with no awareness of your body, emotions, or values. And second is letting negative self-talk run the show in your brain. That's just going to make you doubt your potential and stop you from going after your dreams. Finally, it's not having any supportive coping practices or self-care that doesn't take hours or cost tons of money. Because when you're living in chronic stress at home or work, The last thing that feels accessible is a spa day or a meditation retreat. We have personally struggled with all of these things, and that's why we created the body deck. This affirmation card deck has 77 intentionally designed beautiful cards to help you address all three of these high vibe killers in just a couple minutes a day. These affirmations will help you tune into your body and your inner world, practice 
positive self-talk. And best of all, it's super portable and affordable. For only $33, benefit from the transformative practice of affirmations anywhere you go. So if you're ready to stop the self-sabotage and start being the highest version of yourself, you'll definitely want to get your hands on the Body Duck Affirmation Cards. Head over to solea.co. That's S-O-U-L-E-A dot C-O to get the Body Duck Affirmation Cards today. You can also find the link in the show notes. <laughs> 